The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Good evening, everybody. This is Robin Nelson with another edition of Wrestle Podcast. And my guest tonight is an author, a pastor, and a former professional wrestler, Chris Whaley. How's it going, Chris? Hey, man. If I, you know, if it was any better, I don't know if I could stand it. And I hope you're doing well, too. Yeah, thank you for coming on tonight. Yeah, man. I'm enjoying it. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. Um, let's start back from the beginning. When you were uh, growing up as a kid, you were very uh, a sickly kid. Yep, yep. In and out of the hospital. And back in those days, there wasn't a lot on TV. And you get your days and your nights mixed up when you're in the hospital. And uh, I was just really hooked on professional wrestling. And I got the... Uh, the opportunity back in 1978 when um, I saw an ad in uh, Tampa Tribune for wanted professional wrestlers. Uh, my uh, my wife was a high school math teacher. I showed her the article. She just kind of rolled her eyes and kept grading papers. And and uh, I, I packed a bag, drove over to Tampa, walked in, and there was uh, the great Malenko. I'll never forget uh, watching him as a kid growing up. And it was a real thrill. You know, he trained a lot of guys. He trained uh, Mark Marrow, uh, Johnny B. Bad. Uh, he, he trained a lot of guys, and he was just really, really great. Uh, got to work with his sons. Uh, Dean, you know, of course, Dean worked in uh, WWF as uh, the man of a thousand holes. And uh, Jody, uh, I actually think Jody was better than Dean, man. Jody was quite a, quite a guy got to work against uh, both of those guys and they were great great guys really were and tell me about the story about uh gouch uh yeah uh, jody uh jody was trained by carl gotch is that who you're talking yeah about? carl gouch yeah his his last name's so hard to pronounce <laughs> yeah 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 you know he was the baddest of the bad and he trained uh he trained jody jody was great man i did a I did a takedown match on a, a ring in, in Orlando that was hard as concrete, and uh, I'll never, I'll never forget that. I think I got one of my concussions on that night. But uh, Jody, I tell you, Jody was awesome, still is, and uh, you know, I think, uh, I think some of the greatest times that I had was uh, training with uh, the great Malenko, with Dean, with Jody, and. Uh, I, I just can't say enough good things about those guys. And I really, uh, really sad that uh, the great Malenko is not around anymore because he was super, super, super guy. I bet he was. Um, I've talked to some uh, older wrestlers that known him and worked with him as well. And they had a lot of great stories to talk about the great Malenko, too. So it must have been... It must have been really neat to learn from him and pick his brain in the uh, world of professional wrestling. Yep. I think he was one of the best trainers uh, around, and um, I, you know, I, I, I am so thankful for him because he, he, you know, when he was training, he said, you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to train you how to, uh, how to protect yourself when you're there in the ring because a lot of guys who work against that take advantage of you, and had it not been for him. Uh, I think I'd have probably had a lot more concussions than I did, 
but uh, just very, very thankful that I got got trained by one of the best. Um, you also competed with a young undertaker as well. Yeah, man, I'll never forget that. You know, uh, it was I'll never forget it was on a Friday night, and uh, it was in Dallas. I actually had already worked a match, and the promoter came. Uh, the promoter came into the dressing room and said. I need somebody to work against Mark because uh, the guy he was going to work against didn't show up. And I raised my hand. I said, hey, man, I'll do it. Um, and it was kind of neat. I told uh, I had to tell the referee, please go out and find my girls. Um, I was actually in seminary. Uh, I was going to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary my last three years from 1985 to 1988. And um, uh, so on Friday nights, we usually did family fun night. I have two precious daughters. Uh, they were little girls at that time. And so I got the referee, hey, go out and find my family and tell them not to go to the car because I'm going to wrestle again. So uh, the referee went out and he found them. He came back in. He said, hey, I told them uh, not to go anywhere. And uh, I, I knew it was going to be cool because they had never seen this guy, the, uh, you know, the guy that they know as the undertaker, Mark Calloway. So I got in the ring and the lights went down and that hideous music came on. Uh, I found my girls in the crowd. And uh, when when he walked into the ring, both my little girls started crying when they saw him. And uh, when he, he got in the ring, I noticed my wife was looking uh, kind of haggard and she was trying to find her purse and she was looking through her purse. And so the match started. We had a great match. We won about 20 minutes and uh, it was just, just a great match working against him. We were driving back to uh, Fort Worth that night and I looked over at my wife and I said, hey, uh, right before the match started, I noticed you were going through your purse and you were you looked kind of uh, uh, you know, kind of stressed. I said, what were you looking for? And she said, uh, I was looking for the checkbook to make sure you'd paid the insurance. <laughs> that is, I mean, that's funny, but that's a good wife caring for you, making sure you're not hurt because, you know, Mark's a big boy. Oh, yeah, he's six foot eight at that, that time, six eight, three fifteen, and uh, he... He was a great, great guy to work for, you know, I mean, work with. He uh, he did that full body press where he took me all the way up. Of course, his arms were about three feet long, so that was a long way to the mat. And uh, my wife was, uh, you know, very thankful that uh, we didn't have to use the insurance after that night. But it was just a, just a great match, great match, great guy. And, and through your whole uh, wrestling career, too, um, who did you have the greatest chemistry with in the ring? You know, uh, I was thinking about that, and I, I think, uh, you know, I, I got to work with the Freebirds, uh, Buddy Roberts. Buddy Roberts, one of the greatest guys in the world, and I, I worked against him. And, uh, man, it was just like fluid magic working with that guy. He was he was so good. And... Uh, of course, uh, Michael Hayes and Terry Gordy, uh, all those guys were, were great. Uh, got to work with uh, uh, flamboyant Eric Eric Embry. Eric Embry was a great, great guy to work with. And uh, uh, Iceman King Parsons, he was a great, great guy to work with. The Von Erics were, were uh, super. So, you know, th- those were some of the best times working with those guys. 
And, uh, of course, working with Mark Calloway, he was, uh, he was super. So, I, you know, I, I, I had so many of them that just, uh, getting in the ring with them was just, uh, you know, super. So I can't really pick one particular guy out, but if I had to pick all of them out, I think, uh, Buddy Roberts. Buddy Roberts was just a super, super guy to work with. That's pretty awesome. You got to work with some legends in a ring, and especially you know wrestling Nevada Eric, especially over in Texas where uh, pro wrestling's pretty huge in Texas. That must have been a great experience for you. Yeah, man. I tell you, my last three years in wrestling were 1985 to 1988. Uh, got to work for uh, Ken Mantell, who had uh, Wild West Wrestling. Got to wrestle at Billy Bob's in Fort Worth which was uh, pretty awesome working at Billy Bob's. And um, I think, uh, you know, wrestling at the Sportatorium, you can't, you can't beat that, man. That's history. And um, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of guys that remember that time at the Sportatorium in Dallas. It was just really, really super. I bet it was. Um, also, uh, don't you have a funny story to share? Yeah, you know... Uh, one of my last times of being on the road was with uh, Solomon Grundy. Solomon Grundy uh, worked for WCCW, worked for uh, uh, Wild West Wrestling also. This guy, he was 465 pounds, but he was just so awesome. He could, you know, uh, he could drop kick, 465 pounds, and he could drop kick, kick, kick in chest, and uh, you do great bumps off the rope. Uh, when I left, Texas in 88, he went to uh, Mexico. He was a big star in Mexico. But anyway, we were uh, we were wrestling in Louisiana and Mississippi. And I forget where it was in Mississippi, but anyway, we got to the arena early that day, and he had to go to the bathroom really bad. And so he goes and he said, hey, man, I got to take your crap real bad. And I said, okay. And so he goes into the to the bathroom and it's a long time I don't hear from him and uh, finally I went in the bathroom I said hey Grundy you okay and he said hey man I've been calling you didn't you hear me I said no I, I didn't hear you he said there's no toilet paper in here which uh, he reminded me with all this stuff with the coronavirus going on and all the crap with the toilet paper so uh, I went over in the women's restroom and I looked around there was no toilet paper I looked in the other restrooms there was no toilet paper so I went back in. I said, hey, Grundy, I'm sorry. I said, there's no toilet paper. And there was a long silence. And then finally he said to me, uh, hey, Whaley, you got change for a 10? So he wiped his butt with $1 bills. And it was the most expensive crap in history, I think. But that was one of the funniest things I think I've ever uh, experienced in wrestling with a uh, a guy wiping his butt with one one dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. He's brave for doing that because you don't know what's on dollar bills since it gets passed from. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess it was okay. You know, hey, that guy went to Mexico, and man, he was a he was a big big star in Mexico, and uh, I think he's back in Texas now, but. What a what a super super guy to work with. Four hundred sixty five pounds, and does bumps off the ropes and drop kicks and does everything else. 
And uh, it, it was just so funny, especially when you went to a buffet with him. It was hilarious. <laughs> I bet it was. I bet people were afraid of him when he came in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. He had a cowbell around his neck and uh, wore overall, uh, overalls cut off at the knees. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was hilarious. He was <laughs> just, just a great guy to be around. <laughs> that's wild all right let's um let's keep on going um so how did you become the saint you know um i i was actually a youth minister in a church uh-huh. and my wife was pregnant with our first child and uh I, you know they don't pay youth ministers very much money and i i actually went to the pastor i said hey you know i could I could wrestle a couple of nights a week and it would really help us financially. And and the pastor was a a real jerk. And he said, no, we're not going to, we're not going to make this church into a circus. And I said, you know, okay. And that, that Saturday I was actually watching uh, wrestling on TV, watching some of my buddies work. And one of my buddies worked with a hood and then the light bulb went on and I said, you know, I could do that. So I was trying to come up with a gimmick. And I came up with a gimmick of the the saint, and um, so I got a white mask, and I got white trunks and white tights and white boots, and I had a white cape, and I became uh, the saint. And uh, I was working a couple nights a week, and they didn't even know it at the church because I was working under a hood. But uh, it was kind of funny, you know. I'd walk into the church, and I'd have a black eye, or uh, have my, you know, I bruises all over me and they'd say what happened to you and i'd say well i fell down and which was true you know i fell down i had a lot of help doing it but uh i didn't lie to them i did fall down but i just had a lot of help doing it so uh i just started working as uh the saint and which was really uh really great when i went to texas i worked as the saint and uh the last uh last several years from 19 usually about uh, probably about 1979 to 1988 uh i worked as a saint and uh, uh that's that's how it happened you know it was uh it, it was great uh, being able to to do that and i told uh, the, the guys at the seminary that i was uh working under you know working under hood as a saint and so that was that was kind of cool. I'll never forget. I worked against a young guy. He wrestled under the name of the Terminator. And uh, I'll never forget in the dressing room, I told him, I said, hey, I got a lot of a lot of friends out there in the audience tonight are from the seminary. I said, so let's, uh, let's show them some meat. And he went, no problem, man. I'll never forget. He, he grabbed me by the back of the mask and threw me into the turnbuckle and broke my nose. I've never bled so much in all my life. And and uh, all those all those seminary students were uh, watching this match, and and there was more blood in it than I think I've ever had in any match, and um, just uh, just kind of crazy being the saint, being so bloody on one night. But uh, it was it was cool, man. Working under working under a hood as a saint, I'll never forget uh, some great great times doing that. I bet you have. So, speaking of your great times as a saint, what was the most the greatest time when you were the saint in the ring? I know you probably have a lot. What's one that just sticks with you today when you were the saint? Uh, you know, um, I guess one of the uh, 
the greatest things is just being able to work with the guy that uh, taught you to wrestle, the great Malenko. Uh, I mean, this this guy was just, uh, you know, he's, he's one of the greats. He's a, he's a Hall of Famer. And being able to be in the ring with uh, uh, Larry Simons, the great Malenko, nothing can compare with that. No matter who I work with, uh, working with him was the greatest thing, I think, uh, that I ever got to experience as a professional wrestler. That's pretty awesome. So what uh, got you to uh, write a book about your life, The Masked Saint. Um, how'd you come up oh, with that idea? Yeah, you know, when uh, I left uh, I left Fort Worth, Texas in 1988, and I went to my first church uh, as, a, as a pastor. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget, I had a, had a young lady that uh, used to come in. She, was, she, she would be the last person to come into the service and then she'd be the first one to leave. She had a couple of little kids, and she'd drop them off, and she would come in. And uh, I, I didn't get to talk to her that much. But then on one particular day, uh, she came into the service, uh, and she had sunglasses on. And after the service, I usually stood at the front door and shook hands with people as they left. And on that day, she was the last one to go out. And when she came out, uh, she came up to me and took took my hand with both of her hands, and I could see uh, tears going down her cheeks. And I, I kind of lifted the sunglasses up, and she had two black eyes. And I, I asked her what happened. And she, you know, her husband was abusive, and he was beating her. And I, it just infuriated me. I mean, any man that would hit a woman is a real dirtbag. And I just, uh, I told her, I said, I was gonna, I'm going to go see your husband. And she got all nervous and everything oh please don't do that he'll hurt you and i said i you know i'm not really worried about that so i i went to their house and i called him out just said uh i got him outside he was he was pretty belligerent when he came out and i said you know i just wanted to uh i wanted to see how you do against somebody who was able to fight back you know you're a pretty big man man fighting a woman but i just want to see how you do fighting against somebody who could fight back and that's that's how the mass saint uh, began, and it just seems that I had one incident after another. Each each chapter of my book is a true story about something uh, that happened. You know, I, I'll never forget. Uh, I was actually on my way to a conference in South Florida, and I had to stop it on the turnpike at one of the service plazas, and when I. Uh, when I walked up, there were just three punks that were really uh, just dirtbags, and they were hassling everybody, and uh, I was standing in line, and they butted in line, and I, I couldn't take it anymore, and I finally said something. I said, you know, why don't you guys quit acting like idiots and get to the back of the line? And then they all three gather around me. You know, it was, it was amazing, man. It was almost like uh, that movie... Uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes, you know, when he was about to fight somebody, he always pictured everything in his mind. And I, I did that. I'm saying, you know, what am I going to do here? And uh, so there's three guys around me, and I just said, well, I'm going to hit this guy with an elbow. This guy's going to be talking at a higher higher pitch for a long time, and this guy's not going to be walking very good. And, and uh, it just... You know, it just happened like that. I hit the guy with elbow, took a, uh, took another guy's knee out, 
and uh, kicked the other guy where he had a, you know, uh, a high-pitched voice for a while. And I just kept having incident after incident like that. And, um, you know, there's not a lot of good stuff on TV now. And one of my favorite, I, I know this is going to sound funny, but one of my favorite things I used to watch on TV was uh, Little House on the Prairie, mainly because uh, it was just a good moral program. You know, uh, had a good father, had good kids, and had a good storyline. And I thought, you know, here's an opportunity to uh, to write something that could be made into a, a good TV program. Well, uh, uh, I started having uh, movie producers talk to me about making it into a movie. So they didn't make it into a TV uh, show, but they made it into uh, a movie. Uh, called The Mass Saint, uh, which was based on my book, uh, which was really, you know, incredible. I'll never forget the day that I was driving, uh, driving. Uh, they started talking to me actually in 2009, and it's like uh, uh, February of 2013, and I was getting pretty frustrated because they weren't doing anything. But uh, in February 2013, this producer from Canada called me and uh, I was I answered the phone he said are you sitting down and I said uh, yeah I said I'm driving he said well we're very interested in your book has anybody done anything with it I said no and I kind of rolled my eyes because I was sick of talking to the people and uh, a couple weeks later I'm driving again he called me and he said uh, are you sitting down and I said yeah and he said well we're going to make your book into a movie and I was just blown away, and um, they did that. They uh, took the book and got a script, and in uh, November of 2015, excuse me, uh, November 2013, uh, they filmed the movie in Sault Ste. Marie, Canada, and it was it was awesome. Uh, had the promoter was uh, portrayed by uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, I worked against him about 30 years before this, so I hadn't seen him in a long time, and and it was just super to be able to uh, get together with him again. And what a great actor he he did the uh, he portrayed the promoter in the movie. Did a super super job, but sadly, you know, the movie was filmed in November of 2013, and that and end of July of 2014, uh, he passed away. Uh, so it was really sad. He passed away before the movie came out in theaters in January of 2016. But uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper, man, what a super, super, super guy. And a great guy to work with and just a, uh, an unbelievable guy to be around. And to have him play the promoter in that movie was just just awesome. Just awesome. So when you found out he was going to be in a movie, uh, did he remember you like 30 years later? Yeah, yeah, he remembered me. Uh, you know, if you uh, to get the DVD of the movie, the uh, behind-the-scenes stuff, uh, they have a, an interview with him, and, and he was just very cordial, you know, very great. He was very gracious. He, he talked about us working together, you know, a long time ago, and uh, he was uh, he was actually thrilled to be able to do the movie and to play the part that he was playing, and uh, just 
Uh, I was just very, very honored uh, with all the things that took place with the movie and Rowdy Rowdy Piper. That's pretty um, awesome. Um, I met Rowdy Rowdy Piper a couple times myself before he passed away, and I totally agree with you. He's just a genuine nice guy. Um, when I met him and when everybody else was meeting him, he just like took his time to find out where you're from and would tell you like great little stories about his life. It, it, it was just great. He was a good guy. Yeah, I tell you, if you watch any of his old matches on uh, YouTube, uh, if you watch it, notice that he's got his wedding ring on. He never, he, he never took his wedding wedding ring off. He wrestled with that on, and uh, you know he loved his family. He always wanted to be home on the weekend. So uh, what a uh, what a super super guy uh, he was, and uh, you know the movie was just phenomenal. They had a uh, a guy named James Preston Rogers. He plays the part of the Reaper in the movie. And I, I'll never forget when I saw him. That was the first time I met him. And I told him, he said, "You look, you look like a young Undertaker." I mean, the guy's like six uh, six and uh, you know, unbelievable build. And uh, he actually did the um, <clears throat> he did the uh, choreography for the matches uh, that are in the movie, and just just did a super super job. If you you watch the movie. It's, it's some of the best wrestling that you'll see in movies. It, it really is. I totally agree. Um, what were your, your thoughts on the actor who portrayed you? You know, he was a, he was a good guy, a young man uh, named Brett Grandstaff. And uh, Brett, uh, tra- uh, he actually trained with uh, James Preston Rogers for a couple of months before the movie. And uh, he did a he, he did a really good job. Uh, there were only three, I think, three scenes in the movie where he didn't do his own bumps. Uh, they had a stunt man that did uh, three things in the movie, but besides that, uh, he he did his own moves and uh, took his own bumps on the ring and did a uh, did a did a great job. I thought uh, I thought he was awesome in the movie. I really did. I, I enjoyed the movie. I've seen it, and you know it was pretty good. And it, and it's just amazing today, where um, you know you uh, reached out to me on Facebook like that, and I was like, wow, <laughs> Chris Whaley, you know, you know, like reached out to me on Facebook, and you know, um, the friend requested me, and um, I knew uh, about the book and the movie and all that, and I was like, you know, something, this would be great. I would love to have him come on my podcast and share his story, and. And this is um, so great. You're sharing your uh, story with me and my audience. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. Well, man, I, you know, I'm just uh, just honored that you you would uh, have me. Uh, so I've been out of wrestling a, a long time. You know, I got out in 1988. I did uh, I did some benefits after I left wrestling, and I became a pastor. Matter of fact, I had a um, had a young lady in my church who was dying from cancer and had quite a few medical bills, and I just wanted to help her. And I still had a lot of friends in wrestling. And so uh, one night at church, I told them, I said, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm not asking for your permission. I'm just asking for your understanding. And I did uh, a couple of couple of benefits that were great. Had Dory Funk Jr., uh, Dory Funk Jr. was a member of the church that I pastored, he and his wife, uh, Marty, and uh, had some great, 
great uh, matches in some of those. Had uh, Ravishing Rick Rude. I think he uh, he worked against Dory Funk Jr. Had uh, the guy that uh, wrestled as the Warlord. Had Bugsy McGraw. Had uh, uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, Dick Slater. Had had some great great guys in, in those matches and put some great great matches on uh, after I got out of wrestling and that felt that felt so good because I missed it so uh, so bad and uh, of course uh, Bugsy McGraw I don't know if you know who uh, Bugsy is but man Bugsy what a great worker and he he, he was all always awesome to uh, to be around and um, just you know, thankful that I kept up with some of the guys and had had the time to uh, to do those uh, benefits for some people that really were deserving of it. That's pretty awesome. Um, so, what decided for you uh, to uh, leave professional wrestling? I know you're uh, a pastor. What uh, got you out of the wrestling business? Well, uh, you know, it was 1984. I just, uh, I knew that uh, God was calling me into the ministry, and, you know, uh, 1984, I was living, uh, my wife and I were living in our dream house in Lakeland, Florida, on a lake, and, uh, but yet, even though, uh, you know, we had everything in the world, we're driving new cars, we're living in a beautiful home, making more money than I ever made my whole life. Uh, I just knew that this was not the life that that uh, God had for me. That He wanted me to be a pastor, and uh, it was uh, you know it, it was difficult to leave what I loved so much. But uh, I love what uh, God had for me in being a pastor, and uh, especially you know uh, doing things that the normal pastor wouldn't do. Uh, being able, you know, I, I can't stand, I can't stand bullies. Bullies just, you know, bullies are uh, people that, you know, take advantage of people and they, uh, they're they abusive. And so uh, as a pastor, um, I didn't put up with that crap, you know. So that was kind of, that was kind of different. You know, most pastors aren't known for uh, kicking butt and taking names, but uh, I really was thankful for all the training that the great Malenko gave me and all the time in the ring because, you know, when you spend time like that, you're not, you're not afraid of anybody and especially bullies. And so, uh, I, I knew that God was calling me into the ministry and, uh, I went to, uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and became, uh, I got my uh, master's degree uh, at Southwestern. And then later I even, uh, you know, I got my doctorate. So not a lot of, not a lot of wrestlers who are also uh, known as a doctor also. So that was kind of cool. But uh, uh, you never get wrestling out of your, out of your veins, you know, just something that, you love doing, and you just you love it for the rest of your life. Even now, I mean, I'm I'm an old I'm an old man now, but I still uh, love wrestling, and I miss it, and um, just thankful for uh, my ten years in the ring. 
Um, also, um, when you became a pastor and you know had your own congregation, um, what did uh, the church think about you uh, once being a pro wrestler? You know, uh, most of the people were cool with it. Most of the people just thought, you know, it was, it was uh, a little bit, str- a little bit strange that a prof- you know pastor was a former professional wrestler. Uh, every now and then, just just like in anything, you got people that are you know jerks that don't uh, uh, don't appreciate anything, and they didn't they weren't too cool with me being a professional wrestler. But the majority of the people were. We're very cool with it, and uh, I, I was very thankful for that. Even now, you know, I I serve on staff at uh, First Baptist Church of Orlando right now, which is one of the you know biggest churches in America. They got twenty thousand members, and uh, we have a bookstore on campus at our church. They sell you know they sell my book and they sell the DVD there, and I think he probably sells more of my book and more of my uh, the DVDs of the, the movie The Mass Saint than anything else so uh, I'm really uh, just just really thankful for the experiences that God has given me and the opportunities that he's given me and uh, the people that uh, that I have had the opportunity to pastor uh, it's, it's all been good you know there's, there's a few jerks in there but the majority of them are great great people and they they were very very uh, cool with me in, in the past that I had um, also uh, you, the film The Mass Saint as well has, uh, was at a film festival and won an award too yep yep uh, the movie uh, was uh, the 2015 it was chosen as uh, Best Picture at the International Christian Film Festival, uh, which was actually held in, in Orlando. There, I think there were like 400 films that were entered that year, and uh, The Mass Saint got uh, Best Picture, which I was really thrilled with. And, and then it came out in theaters in Jan- uh, January the 8th, 2016, and uh, what an awesome experience to go to go to a theater and sit in a uh, sit in a theater and look up there on the screen and see uh, a movie that's based on your life and uh, man, how how cool is that? I was I, just really really blown away by the whole experience. When you saw the theater, uh, did it give you a little tear in your eye? And did uh, did you kind of also uh, mark out a little bit? I did, you know. Uh, just uh, that that's not an experience that a lot of people get to uh, get to experience I mean writing a book is, uh, is a, a super thing and to have a you know a book published but then to have that book made into uh, a movie is uh, even more awesome. But uh, but I, I tell you this, man. I tell you this. I, I think the, I think the book is better than the movie myself. So, uh, but uh, the movie's great. But I, I think the book is even better because the book, each chapter of the book is based upon something that happened, actually happened in my life. And uh, so I have some great great stories in that book about you know th- things that I did as a pastor, which are. are pretty amazing because uh, not a lot of pastors uh, do the things that I did uh, that you can read about in the book. 
That's pretty cool. Who knows? Maybe I'll get a signed copy. <laughs> hey, man, I tell you what. You you send me your address, and I will put a signed book in the mail to you. I'll do that. I will definitely do that. That that would be so cool. Um, also, since you're going to be doing that for me as well, I would love to send you a uh, Russell Popcast t-shirt as well. I will wear it with pride, and I'll I'll take some pictures, and I'll put it on Facebook for you. Definitely will do that. So when I get off with you, I'll give you my address, and you can send that, and then I'll get yours, and then I'll send you a tea. Absolutely. Hey, I'm on uh, I'm on Facebook, and uh, I, I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and anybody that sends me a message on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, uh, I am very very good about answering every one of those and uh, i never never forget the people that came to the matches that you know if it wasn't for those great people sitting out there in the arenas you know there would be guys doing what we do so i never i never forgot that so i love uh, i love the questions and i love answering them and so anybody that wants to send me any question on facebook uh, I'll be glad to answer it and just thankful that you listened to this uh, interview. Yeah, me too. And thank you so much for coming on. And everybody, uh, thank you for listening to Wrestle Popcast. You can follow Wrestle Popcast on Facebook. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Wrestle Popcast. And you can subscribe at Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Podcast City Network at Podcast City podcastcity.net I'm hitting the Marks Podcast Network and you can follow me at Twitter at Rob Kicks which is Russell Popcast and um, you can um, also follow my show uh, Beyond the Bell with uh, Future Great Wrestling which I'm part of over here in Cincinnati, Ohio it's a, it's a great wrestling promotion and you can subscribe to Future Great Wrestling on YouTube to see my segment and also some great matches with, with a lot of uh, the guys which is an awesome roster Um, Everybody have a great evening. Good night.